But uh, good evening to all here this evening, to those listening in on our, on our uh, podcast. It's wonderful that you're in the house of God. And it's another opportunity for us to come together and corporately we can touch the hem of his garment. And I pray tonight that God will speak to us all and that you'll touch heaven tonight. That's my, that's my deepest desire. And, uh, but to give, a, you can't really uh, give the person a, a jab next to you and uh, say, Good day, mate. It's good to have you here. <laughs> give John a bigger jab than that. He needs one. Yeah, that's to wake him up, yeah. Reminds me of a joke, actually. Uh, a woman's husband was asleep in church, and the preacher said to her, uh, can you please w- wake up your husband? She said, well, well, no. You put him to sleep, you wake him up. <laughs> so hopefully that's not going to happen here tonight, amen? And, uh, but it's always a, a good, and it's a, it's a privilege to minister the Word of God. And over the years I've ministered, I've had two primary objectives. Always when I minister, I have two primary objectives. And one is to minister in the glory of God. And I've seen touches of that over the years. But it's coming, amen? It's coming. The glory of God is coming. Because that's, that's my expectation. And I know that's Jules' expectation as well. But the other is to be a minister of the Spirit of God. Uh, it's not here to give you notes, to give you... A theology or to give you teaching or anything like that but to be a minister of the spirit of God is, t- is something entirely different because to minister of the spirit is to ena- enable the spirit of God to be upon the word of God which has then a capacity to touch a life transform a life amen set us free from things that uh, held uh, that keep us captive and uh, my deepest prayer that our hearts would be open to the Holy Spirit and allow him to move in our midst as the Holy Spirit wishes The Holy Ghost can do whatever he wants. If he does something out of what I would call the ordinary or what we think, that's fine. The Holy Ghost can do things how he uh, wants to do it. I've thought to myself that if I serve or worship God on my conditions, aren't I still serving the God of self? Isn't that an interesting concept when it comes to how we do things for God? If I do it and uh, do it on my own conditions, I'm still serving the God of self. Isn't that true? And so I want to always give liberty to God to move in this place. So I'd like if you would turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. And we're going to pick up again from where we left off at the midweek meeting last week. Uh, And the the title of the message tonight is Truth on Trial Part 2. And we had part one last Wednesday night, and uh, just to briefly recap then how it all started, we're in John chapter uh, 18, and we started verse 28, and we read that uh, Jesus was led from Caiaphas' home, where he was kept in a cistern or dungeon, a water cistern below his house, and he was there for about six or seven hours, and when they brought him up, they brought him to the praetorium and entered Pilate's centre stage. And that happened there on verse 33. And Pilate said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him in verse 34, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Uh, Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? So Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said to him, 
Are you king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Imagine that being a declaration over your life when you get out of bed in the morning. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Amen? That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, You could tell that he didn't have an ear for truth because he said, what is truth? <laughs> and on the movies, it's a quite a cynical sort of saying when he says, what is truth? So John is, the, uh, is known, the one who wrote this gospel, uh, gospel as the apostle of love. He's the one who leans on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. So he could hear the heartbeat of Jesus, feel the heartbeat of Jesus. And uh, it's interesting to note that, the, uh, uh, that John was the only one who died a natural death. So in addition to that, his mention of uh, certain words in his Gospels and letters, 1, 2, and 3, over and over and over, abide in me, love, and all those sorts of words, believe, more, the, more than half the references in the Bible to believing, which is the, the verb of faith, and uh, the Greek word pistis and faith almost compromise half of all the Bible references are in this Gospel of John. So he, it's the language of John. The seven I am statements of Jesus occur also in John's gospel. Jesus sounds like his father speaking, taking up where God left off. When Moses asked, who are you and who shall I say who sent me? That was Moses. At the, remember that? He said, who, who shall I say who sent me? Exodus 3.14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. <laughs> That brings us back to the Ten Commandments movie. Who loves that movie? It's one of my favourites. That and Ben-Hur, I suppose. And that I am who I am is translated all, I will be what I will be. That's God. I will be what I will be. Or I shall be what I shall be. That's another interpretation of exactly the same words. And so when something is the truth, and that's what we're talking about again tonight, and uh, truth on trial, as we talked about before Pilate, and this very day, truth is on trial again. It never remains. It is always centre stage. And uh, when something is the truth and when God speaks truth, it's not up for debate. It's not asking for your approval or how you feel about a certain thing. We stand approved of God and no other person's approval is necessary in your life. If you stand approved of God, oh, that's all you need. That's all you need. You may be going against the flow, but to stand approved of God is the greatest success that you can do. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And there's a certain finality. Your word is settled in heaven. So very few things these days are settled. Everything is shifting sand. Everything. And people standing next to you in quicksand will say, Listen, I, I want to help you. But they themselves are standing in quicksand behind, beside you. All our government agencies wanted to offer this and to offer that. All oh, it's uh, grandiose and they, they come walk around with their beautiful little folders with crosswords and pseudoco inside and uh, wanting to help so many people. But they've got so little offer to offer. But Jesus said in John 6.35 and in, and in verses 41, 48 and 51, I am the bread of life. And... Uh, and in other words, Jesus sustains the most basic of your needs, isn't it? 
The bread of life. Bread is always considered something. In, in, uh, in John 8, 12, it goes on to say, I am the light of the world. And so it brings people, Jesus brings people out of the kingdom of darkness that we often didn't even know we were in in the first place. People are blindly in a kingdom of darkness and sometimes they're content to be so because they don't know life can be so much better. Isn't it amazing? But the majority of people content to live in darkness. What about in John 10, 7 and 9? I am the door of the sheep. And Jesus himself gives us access to eternal life. Isn't that amazing? And you can see that in Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So I am the door for the sheep. Who's the sheep? We are. Amen? And uh, what about in in John 11.25, and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And bringing that which is dead into into life is the gospel message. I talk to people during the week and their situation looks doom and gloom. It looks dead, it looks buried, it looks done and dusted. But our old nature was never rehabilitated or renovated. It was, <coughs> it was put to death. Your old nature was put to death. Amen? And the cross is an instrument of death. And then raised again to new life through the born again experience. And so if there is something a totally dead, a situation in your life. Perhaps tonight you've got a situation that's totally dead. It looks dead. It doesn't look good. It's remorseful. Life expectancy, not good. But if there's a totally dead situation in your life, know this, that God is still in the resurrection business and sometimes things just need to be not just dead but also buried before the hand of the Lord can move upon it. Amen? Not just dead but buried. And that is the gospel message. The gospel message is about resurrection power. We think things are dead. We think my finances will never make a comeback. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. But God says, hand it over to me and I'll breathe resurrection life into that situation. So that the word Lazarus come forth can be declared over that which is dead, not just dead, but also buried and wrapped in grave clothes to boot. Amen. What about in number, the fifth uh, I am in John 10, 11 and 14? I am the good shepherd. Oh, who? that's good news for us. You think, I don't want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a sheep. We don't want to be a sheep, them geeky looking sheep. Hey, they're a geeky looking thing, aren't they? With these little hoofy things and everything like that. And there's never been a sheep that's been a mascot for a football team. But yet the... Oh, a deer. Dear, dear. But, but the cattle are driven. Isn't it interesting to note? Cattle are driven. But sheep are led. Who would you like to be led by? Isn't that interesting? Uh, what about a cattle prod and a whip? It's not my choice of leadership. And it's not Jesus' choice of leadership either. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, he can lead you beside the still waters. It's good. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, meaning that there's not another way. Oh, it's exclusive, isn't it? Jesus says, I am the truth. We're talking about truth tonight. And I am the life. It's declared in a way to the exclusion of all else, making this wonderful book called the Bible the most unpolitically correct book in all existence. 
This is a rock and stone of offense to everybody on the earth. To every university, this book is a rock of offense. Because they only got to see one of these things and it makes them shiver. Oh, they think they're after scientific fact and all that. They would think that debating is good and all this sort of stuff. But they don't. They just shut it down. And uh, a very, very few people will actually debate you on the things of the Bible. They're not open-minded at all. They're not open-minded at all. So I am, what about this one in John 15, 1 to 5? I am, we're talking about truth tonight. So this is just Jesus declaring this. It's not up for debate. He's just stating, it's a statement of fact. And uh, I am the true vine. And so we're surrounded by counterfeit vines. They look like weeds and tares and counterfeits. There's counterfeits of gospels everywhere. Oh, yeah, you can go down to a gospel hall and hear something. It's not the gospel truth. Jesus says, if, it, if it's been altered here, he said, it's not even another gospel. It's not a gospel. And so uh, there is but one, and that we are to be grafted into the vine. When Jesus is the vine by which we draw life, the Bible, the Old Testament says, to drink and draw life from the wells of salvation which is the word Yeshua. Isn't that interesting? Salvation in the Old Testament is the word Yeshua, and which is Jesus. To drink and draw life from you, Jesus. That's what Isaiah is saying. It stands then that Jesus being the truth can be only the true vine. He says, I am the true vine. In other words, there's counterfeits out there, but Jesus is something that you can stake your life on. Definitive, sure, Steadfast is the terminology used by Jesus. It's not wishy-washy. It's just an outright I am, without ambiguity, declaring without compromise, without hesitation, and totally without shame. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Amen? It's good stuff. And in John 1, uh, 1 to 3, he says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was made was made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And uh, in, in Genesis chapter 1, and Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim va'et ha'aretz. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And that is fulfilled then in the beginning was the Word. And John 1.14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Oh, it's good. And not only did he dwell amongst us, he still dwells amongst us because Christ within you is the hope of glory. Christ within us is the hope of glory. Jesus responds to Pilate, you say rightly that I'm a king, having already in the previous verse mentioned my kingdom three times. And he says, for this cause I was born and for this cause I've come into the world that I shall bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I'm going over these things because these need to be totally embedded and we need to have a default mechanism built into our believing that we have gospel responses when things happen all around. Why? Because we are living in the greatest days of deception that the world has ever known. All the concluding chapters, Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13, it says, take heed that no one deceive you. It starts all of those end time descriptions of the day in which we live Take heed that no one deceive you. And the only thing wrong was with deception is you don't know you're in it. But we want to be people of the truth. So, so it's going to be very, very easy to be deceived in this end time dispensation. 
And so there's all, this has often been called the age of reason. And I've called it hedonism, humanism, and heathenism. And, and, uh, and if you hold on to those beliefs, you will also be hell bound. Hedonism, heathenism, and humanism, they all push Jesus aside. They say, yeah, he was a good bloke. Yeah, he was a good teacher. Yeah, he did some good things and everything like that. But they do not acknowledge as Jesus as Lord. But that is the difference. You and I, it's not a theology, but it is a way of life. Amen? Christ within, it is a way of life. We know Jesus. We know he dwells within our heart and it bears witness in our spirit. It's interesting to note uh, uh, the Greek philosophers, Socrates, Plato and Aristotle, and they rose to, prominent, to prominence is what, in what the gospel calls, really the teachers, is the silent years. And between Malachi and uh, the book of, uh, and the gospels is a 400 year period in there and it's called the silent years and there was no word from the Lord in those years. And, uh, but it's, it's interesting, I think, to note that when the church loses its voice or when we are silenced and boldness gives way to timidity, other voices rise to the fore. And Socrates, Plato and Aristotle, their voices rose to the fore in the West when everything else was silent. There was no prophet in the land at that time. John 4.23 says, And uh, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And you can go to John 4.24 is written on the front plaque of the church on the front gate. And we've got it over here on that banner over there, which my brother made. Beautiful banner. John 4.24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. There it is again. We're talking about truth tonight and because it needs to be our default mechanism. John 8, 20, 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth. I'd like to put a, a word, a couple of words in there. And it says, and the truth that you know will make you free. Sometimes there can be a truth out there, but you, it hasn't been revealed to you. You are un, unaware of it. And ignorance is not bliss. So the truth, that's why you need to grab hold of the word of God for yourself, because it is a revealed truth that will set you free. It's no, long, it's no good having a check sitting in your drawer uncashed. And a truth that is not revealed to you is an uncashed check. Useless to you. Useless. So John 16, 13, when he, the, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So the spirit of God comes upon us and comes inside us and he will lead us into all truth and there will be a witness within your own spirit that something is true. When something is not true, I describe it as the coffee grinder experience. Has anybody else had the coffee grinder experience? Inside you is this turmoil going on. And you see something and you're not sure what's going on. All you know is that something is wrong. That is a spirit within you and your conscience also. Or oh, your conscience can condemn you, but your conscience also reveals things to you. The spirit of truth within you. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide you into all truth. And so when you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap righteousness. John 17, 17 says, sanctify, this is Jesus speaking, sanctify them through your word, your word is truth. Isn't that good? 
Your word is truth. You can't pick any newspaper up and know that you are listening to the truth. You cannot turn on one five-minute period, one-minute period of, of any TV channel and know what you're... And so we base all these incredible opinions often on things that are outright lies. And so you have to say, well, based on the information that I've been told, I have this opinion. But most of us are not even told the full story. And so you see that, as, uh, as I've often said, it was only a little bit of poison that killed Snow White, but the rest of the apple was perfect. And, uh, and that's what it's like with truth when it's mixed up or undiluted. It says the pure in heart will see God. And so this here is the pure word of God. It is undiluted. And so I believe that the gospel should be preached undiluted, unsugarcoated, straight. You don't need a sugar-coated gospel message. Jesus loves you. The rest of the world thinks you're an idiot. <laughs> I saw that on a T-shirt when I was walking to a shopping centre once. <coughs> but we are sanctified. That means set apart by the truth. The truth sets apart from everybody else around you. Why are sometimes we can be uncomfortable in the workplace? Maybe we're sitting on a committee for the council or this or that and and there's different opinions and things like that, but there is a spirit of truth within you and bells begin to ring when you hear things that do not ring true. Why? Because the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is within you within you, and you know. And so the world's demise is, is not climate change. It's not unstable political and financial systems or even COVID-19. Put simply, the rejection or acceptance of Jesus Christ because he is the truth will be the rise and fall of individuals, nations and whole regions encompassing many nations. And the thing is when you, when you reject the truth, that means when you reject Jesus, all then that you have left to believe in is a lie because we all will believe in something. An alcoholic says, I believe I'll have another drink. That's what he believes. That's what he does. He believes that and he's going to do it. But Jesus is saying, if you reject my truth, he says, all you will have left to believe in is something that is not of me, not even no substance of me, and it will be a lie. And you'll be totally convinced of it. And that is the sort of age in which we are kind of, that we are entering in a rapid pace right across the world today. Truth and facts are not the same. You think, well, are they the same or not? And I, I've likened it to this, and I've used this before. The devil has all the facts. He has all the facts. But Jesus said the truth is not in him. Isn't that interesting? The devil has all the facts, but the truth, he's the father of lies. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. The doctor gives you a report, and he might say, here are the facts. You've got six months to live. But Jesus gives us the truth. Jesus is the truth. He says, I am the Lord your God who heals you. What are you going to believe? You can place your faith in a doctor's report or you can grab hold of the scripture and declare that I am healed. You can declare those things. I've seen people in, in, walk free from horrendous sicknesses, maybe only weeks to live, but they grabbed hold of a truth that Jesus was their healer and they walked free of it and got another 10 or 11 years to their life. And so our declaration at the point of revelation is when you become to understand that Jesus is the healer and uh, what is my declaration now when the doctor's report says this or this or this, you say, Jesus, I am healed. Oh, isn't that a good message? 
I am healed. They're, they're the words because the Bible says you will have the fruit of your lips. And so the, the kingdom of heaven is voice activated. Jesus, uh, God said, let there be light. And there was light. There it was at 300,000 kilometers a second. He declared it. And we are made in the image and likeness of God. And we're called to bring our world into water through that same vehicle of declaration and truth. Amen. We declare a thing. Jesus, God said, let there be light. So we bring light into the darkness in our situation. We believe it and therefore you shall receive it. And so modern science to a large degree has become exactly, I don't know, it just opposes everything that is God. It says, despite your findings and research, here are your conclusions. They tell you the conclusions. They don't try to give you some facts or anything, but they're telling you the conclusions. And so here is the framework that your dedu deductions will lie. Amen? And lie is the operative word. And they say, uh, modern science now teaches us. Well, what did the science that they teach the, taught us the day before? What did that teach us? Well, it's, it's moved on, they say. We've moved on in our learning. And that's true. And so science is not, uh, uh, not always accurate, nor is it true. It's got an agenda of itself. It's linked now. Science and scientific study is now linked to political parties and, and, and global agendas. So can we really trust science? And the fact is, well, no, you can't. And so 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Isn't that amazing? We love to see wonders, but there's coming on the earth and is already now operating on the earth wonders which are lying wonders, deceitful things. There will be miracles even done by a demonic spirit realm, but they will be not of the truth. And that's why it's so deceptive. You say, I can't believe what I'm seeing. No, you can't. You cannot believe what you're seeing. And uh, in verse 10 it says, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Isn't that incredible? If people don't have a love of the truth, they will not be saved. And so I have never found anybody who has had a heart for truth. They may be on the wrong track, but they have a desire for truth. And my Bible says that they will find it. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. Who sends a strong delusion? In other places, it says the devil sends a strong delusion. But in, in regard to this, that they should believe the lie, it says God will strengthen them, send them a strong delusion. Why is it? Because they did not have a love for the truth. Amazing, isn't it? And this is where we are today. Verse 12, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Why don't people come to the truth? One of the reasons is because they have so much pleasure in their unrighteous activities. They love their, their lifestyle and they think somehow uh, to give that up. They don't have a love for the truth. They, they disregard the truth, have no value. They esteem it. They certainly don't treasure it. And so there is something about not only receiving but having a love for the truth. Do you have a love for the truth today? And so people say, oh, well, I have a love for the truth. And they say, I'm a word person. So... If you're a word person, you'll study the scriptures. You'll study about healing. You'll study about signs and wonders and miracles. You'll study about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You'll just study about the anointing and moving in the power of God. Why? Because you are a lover of the truth. 
You'll study about speaking in tongues and all those sorts of things. You say, well, I don't believe those things. Well, have a study it for yourself and you'll come to the same conclusions. You'll come to the same conclusion. If you are a lover of the truth, God will reveal these things to you, even though they, you're struggling in your head right now. And I always say, don't reduce God to the level of your intellect. <laughs> don't reduce God to the level of your intellect. You may think yourself pretty smart, and that's great. But don't reduce God to the level of your own intellect. And so <coughs> a lover of sin more than a lover of the truth is a doorway to deception. And so there are legal doorways that we can open in our lives that deception can come in. One of them is walking in disobedience to the word of God. Another one is walking in unforgiveness to the things of God. Walking contrary to the word of God when we know it to be right. And that opens up a door where deceiving spirits can come in. People don't like to talk about deceiving spirits or demonic things or anything like that, but they are a reality. In fact, more than half of our TV shows, particularly more than half of the cartoons, all have supernatural themes. Isn't that right? And so somehow they do ring true. There is a supernatural element and all of God, from in the beginning God to amen in the back, is all supernatural. The Bible is a supernatural book because it's about a supernatural God. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, that supernatural aspect of God is embedded and becomes part of our DNA. It's a good stuff. And so it is God, not Satan in this verse, who spends, sends that strong delusion that I was talking about. God sends it. Why? Because they do not have a love for the truth. And Romans chapter 1 and verse 28 supports that. He says, because they didn't like or to re they did not retain or did not wish to retain a knowledge of God, God gave them over to a debased mind. Who gave them over to a debased mind? God did. Why? Because they didn't see it worthwhile to retain a knowledge of God, retaining a knowledge of the truth. And the only thing wrong with deception, as I said before, is that you don't know you, you're in it. And... Um, and so all you have left to believe in is the lie. And the thing with deception is people can, they, they, will, uh, they will be totally convinced in their own mind that the, what they are believing is, is the truth. And that makes it difficult, doesn't it? When somebody is fully convinced in their own mind, and I know many people like that, amen? And so take heed that no one deceive you. Uh, it says in Matthew uh, 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. So the physical attributes of this end-time dispensation and beginning of birth pains, they're described in Matthew 24, but the mindset of this end-time generation, I come back to it over and over again, is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Write it down, and you'll read verses 1 to 7, and you'll, you'll walk down the shopping centre, and you think, I feel like an alien in this shopping centre. You might walk down a shopping centre in Townsville and you feel like you're almost alone. You don't know these people. You think they're a different species. And the reason is they come from a totally different mindset. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7 will describe this end of, end of days mindset of the people that we live and work with on a day-to-day -day basis. <clears throat> so the plumb line of truth, and I've, I've got this plumb line again. And in Amos, the seventh prophet, chapter 7 and verse 7, 
and God built a wall and placed it in the midst of the people. And the thing when something is straight, if something is crooked, it looks crooked when it's put beside something is straight. When everything's crooked, nothing looks straight, so everything looks fine. But when you put a plumb line in a building situation, that which is true, that which you can measure everything else, what happens is a plumb line, everybody gets embarrassed if their work is out of plumb because the plumb line has been set and God puts in the midst of us the plumb line of truth and that is the word of God. And it makes everything else in the earth look crooked. Why? Because it is. Because Jesus is the way, the truth. He is the plumb line to which all of humanity can be measured. And in this dispensation of time, it's great to know <coughs> that we are uh, a building according to the plumb line of truth. Jesus said, and the thing is, uh, when, uh, with, in regarding to truth, in regarding to the word of God, these are the goalposts. He says, I am the Lord your God, I change not. And so we've all been on situations where the goalposts shift or they move. And our laws are like that. Uh, some time, one time I handed in a very, very large assignment. It took me months to do, months to do. But the things had changed in the meantime. And so I had to resubmit and redo the whole lot because the goalpost had been changed. Who would have been happy about that? Anybody here? Whoever's been in the same or similar situation, we all have at some point in time. Jesus says, I am the same yesterday, today and forever. Uh, Malachi 3.6, the last chapters of the Old Testament, for I am the Lord, I change not. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He's the rock and the anchor to your soul and he changes not. And you can anchor your life to Jesus and know that it will be secure. I mean, it will not move. It will not move. I write these things, John 5, uh, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. When you hold on to the truth, sell it not, and you know that you can be saved. You can have that inner witness, and you can too. You're listening online, and you think, well, I'm only 1% off, off, off the mark, 1%. And... Um, <coughs> I worked it out ages ago, but I think the circumference of the earth is about 40,000 kilometres. And uh, so if you're 1%, one degree off, when you leave the North Pole, you're one degree off. You're pretty close. Who reckons one degree is pretty close? But by the time you get to the equator, you're more than 110 kilometres off the mark. Hey? Imagine if you're, uh, you're looking for a, an, another feed or another glass of water, and you're 110 kilometres from the well, you're most likely not going to make it. And so the, the pure in heart, the undiluted, and so you see the truth is it's not subjective. It's not subjective to space, to time, to opinion, to age, to dispensations or people groups. And so truth is the very substance of the Father. It's the very substance of God. It's the very substance of Jesus and the Word and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's co-equal and co-eternal with all the members of the Godhead. So the Holy Spirit is truth. And you can trust when you have a relationship with Jesus and the Spirit of God is speaking to you and you've got a relationship that you can trust, it will bear witness in your spirit that things are right or not right. The rejection of God and Jesus, the express image of the Father, 
and the leadings of the Holy Spirit, you reject those things and you're rejecting truth itself. And God then gives us over to a debased mind. He gives us over to a powerful delusion. And these powerful delusions in these uh, end times will be backed up by signs and wonders and miracles, but they will be the hand of a counterfeit spirit, not of God. The devil does nothing original. He is only ever a counterfeit. Only, only ever a counterfeit. And so the other, the other aspect when reading the word of God, and, uh, I, and I like it to, sometimes people cherry pick scriptures to support their bias. And, and can you have a bias when you're reading the word of God? You sure can. You sure can have a bias. And so people come and throw me all these cherry pick scriptures about, so I won't even go over it, some of it. It makes me sick. They've got their pet doctrines and dogmatic to the bone over these things and it just sends me crazy. There's a whole world going to hell and, they, and the Bible says don't get involved in endless discussions about things that are not fruitful. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Don't get into it. It says walk away from it. And that's what I do. I walk away from it. And so you can cherry pick uh, scriptures and with your bias but I encourage people, if you're going to have a look at any subject in the Bible, you can be given to, over to deception through your biases. But if your spirit is subjected to the spirit of the living God, he will lead you. He will correct you. Are you open to correction when you read the word of God? Or is your mind and intellect and everything and your faith so entrenched in your own thinking that you can set up an idol and your own intellect becomes and your own interpretation of scripture can become an idol to you? I've seen that. And so when you're studying anything, if you were studying faith, well, you don't read faith just on Hebrews 11 or, or Romans chapter 4. They are aspects of faith. But if you want to read the whole book from Genesis to maps, then you can make assumptions. And you're not cherry-picking scriptures, but you get the heart of God from the whole of the Bible on all these things. Don't just select a chapter and build a whole doctrine on all those things. See what God has to say throughout all of Scripture. Amen? And you'll surround it with a prayer life and the Lord will lead you into all truth. So don't cherry pick those things. And so, um, but I like the Bible. There's no ambiguity about it. And, uh, and when you draw it in its context, in its entirety, you cannot draw wrong conclusions. And so, um, but there is a, a scripture and it says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. That comes from 2 Timothy 2, 14 and 15. And it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so you need the, the, to rightly divide the word of truth. You need to have the spirit of truth operating in your life. If you're just a person who just studies doctrine without the Holy Spirit, you see, the Holy Spirit was present when the word of God was written. And the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, directed all those apostles and prophets and writers of the Word of God. He guided them. He worked in them. He indwelt in them. But the same author, the Holy Spirit, has to be present when you read the Word of God. If you read the Word of God without the presence of the Word of God, it is undecipherable. And it will be a blank page to you. It's just words and words and words, theology and doctrine. Jesus Christ never died on a cross for a theology or a doctrine. He died so that you and I would be gloriously saved. Oh, isn't that refreshing? People say, oh, I, I'm not sure I can evangelize. I haven't done any of these 
courses. And I think, good. <laughs> Some of the best people I know at leading their family and others to Christ are people who do not know anything. They've been to the cross. And you can have all the theology that you want because these are people who have met with Jesus. They've been washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. They've been made a new creation and they know it. Oh, and it's so refreshing to listen to some of the new Christians and they've just got such a beautiful, fresh love of Jesus. And sometimes our doctrines and theologies come in and cloud and make heavy that which is so pure and lovely and wonderful. When you get transformed, you want to let the world know. It's, isn't it good? I led more people to Christ, I think, in my first months as a Christian than I have since. It was so beautiful and it was just so real. Human opinion or, or the I reckon philosophy does not equate with the word of God or the truth of the God of the word. Is that true? The I, Aussies are good at the I reckon philosophy. I reckon this and I reckon that. I mean, and what is it based upon? It's based upon their own experiences. But the I reckon philosophy does not cut it. And, uh, or reducing the word of God to your own level of intellect. It's an insult to God. And uh, the, word right, the world right now is on a very, very slippery slope. And Deuteronomy uh, says that their foot shall slip in due time. So the world will slip and is slipping. It's, I basically call it in free fall at the moment. It's not just slipping. It's in free fall. I had to stop watching TV because it was doing my head in. And it was just so incredibly negative and I was getting uh, like a bear with a sore head. I couldn't believe the things that I was hearing and 10 minutes later it just got worse. And 10 minutes later it just got worse. Went to YouTube and it just got worse. And it, just, it, and it was just in free fall. And where are we going? Well, we know that. So, so truth is not a doctrine. It's not to be found in a book except one. It's not a science or a philosophy or a moral law. Truth is the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I came back and I, I reiterated on some of the things that I covered last week, but it's such an important aspect of our life. And in an age and a day and time when there is such a void of truth out there, I just want to encourage believers today, open up the word of God and you have truth in you. You have truth, you're feeding on the word of God. And uh, I, I likened it years and years ago, someone told me, uh, when they were <clears throat> people who study or know how to detect counterfeit uh, notes. How do they train these people to detect counterfeit notes? And it was interesting. What they did, they never showed them counterfeit notes. What they did was show them thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of the real deal. You don't have to do comparative studies of religion to know that this is the truth. What you need to do is just sow this in your life over and over and over and over and over and over. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. It builds your faith. And when you begin to sow the word of God with such liberality in your life, when you come across something that's not of truth, it stands out. And you can, sometimes you don't even know why it's not true. All you know is in your spirit, it's not true. Why? Because you have sown the truth, buy the truth and sell it not. Just sow the word of God with such tremendous liberality in your life every day. I mean, no Bible, no breakfast, no devotion, no dinner. Oh, it's good stuff, isn't it? Make a demand on yourself. 
and sow the word of God, sow truth into your life. And I just want to encourage you, you're sitting here, you're listening in online, and you're hearing truth, amen? And we can have a tremendous assurance in our faith walk when we know that we are walking on the right path. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet right now, just as Jules just... Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Basics, fundamental. Father, we grab hold onto the truth, Lord. We hang on to it, Lord. We reverence the truth. We esteem it greatly. He says, I esteem, Job says, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. More than my necessary food. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, that you are the truth. In a world, Lord, just so absent of it, thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us to reveal the truth to us in the person of your Son. We reverence and esteem greatly Jesus, the name that is above all names, living, ruling, and abiding in my heart. I thank you, Lord God, for your word today. I pray, Lord, that our default mechanism within us, Lord, has been set by the word of God and by the person of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we're born again of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who lives and reigns and abides in me to guide me into all truth. And I pray, Lord, that we each and every person here online would have a, an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.